We often say, oh, you know, words are a weapon. I think they're a wand. I think that it's magic. I think it's magic stringing words together that move people, that get people to to move in the direction. I think that we so demonize, you know, the idea of utilizing our voices as opposed to empower individuals to do so. Not enough of us who are looking to share love and kindness and equality and diversity and inclusion use words the way that are impactful and intentional and strategic. And I think people don't know the magic that words can provide and to be scared of them and to be scared to use your voice. It's only dependent on what it is you're saying and who you're saying it to. So look for the magic within the words that you use and, and use them often. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear conversations that generate one aha moment after another for you. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows enough about yet. It's so hidden by the negative noise in our media that I'm calling this wave a conspiracy of goodness. Yes, it is still an amazing world out there. And on this podcast, we'll introduce you to the some of the people making it that way. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich. I'm founder of the Goodness Exchange, which is the mothership website of this podcast. And at the Goodness Exchange, you can get access to all kinds of newsworthy insight and innovation going completely uncelebrated. The most amazing things are actually happening in this world as far as progress and uh, and ingenious ideas that are addressing some of the world's most vexing problems, but they're simply not rising to the top. So at the Goodness Exchange, you can join us there to celebrate what's right with the world. And on this podcast, you can meet some of those people in that movement. We're here to shine a light on all kinds of people who are changing our shared future. And today, I can't wait to get started. I've spoken to Cheldon Barlett Rumor once before, and it was a magical conversation. And then we recorded a few other things that you can find in the show notes that she's up to. I know that you're going to love this conversation. Cheldon is the CEO and executive producer of a, um, of a streaming platform called This Is It Network. The This Is It Network is a global female minority-owned digital streaming platform that has layers and layers of different kinds of content to uh, connect with us in, in a multifaceted world where some of us like video, some of us like to listen, some of us like to, like to learn in different ways. She's a tireless entrepreneur with a passion for connection. You're going to hear a lot in this interview about we, how we can connect deeply to others. There was a few moments where I got goosebumps on my arms because of these insights that Cheldon has into ways to break through and create not just, not just connection, because connection is just sort of a, a, a geographical thing. But relationships are deep and they can make our working lives and our personal lives so fulfilling. So the This Is It Network is where you want to head if you want to hear more from Sheldon. But today we're going to enjoy a kind of a random conversation where we talk about some of the things that she knows are working in people's working in professional lives and, and their personal lives. And she's going to open a whole new world of possibility for us. So welcome. Cheldon Barlett Rumor, thank you so much for joining us on the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. 
Well, I got to share with the audience that Sheldon and I had not talked in quite some time, maybe pre-pandemic could have been, I don't know, maybe the heart of the pandemic sometime. And so we just got to chat for 20 minutes or so before we're getting started here. And I tell you, I, I just think of Sheldon as such a such a dynamic force in what's good in business and culture and, you know, opening up our all our voices. And this is really what I think we can talk about today is like, we should all pay attention to what voices are getting heard. Yeah, I agree. Business and culture, you know, in our work environments. How about our families? Like the day after this interview will be Thanksgiving in the United States. Yeah. What voices will be heard? Like, I, ooh, I got goosebumps. Is it just the loud <laughs> chaos builders that get to be heard? Right. Because that's what's happening in society today. So today we're going to really double down on the most amazing insights that children brings to the table about communication of all sorts. And let's just start there, children, if you don't mind. One of the things that I know you're big about is elevating the voices of others. Yeah. And I'm really big on telling people to look for the helpers right now, mm -hmm. to look for the thoughtful, measured voices. And you've got some really amazing thoughts on how we elevate the voices of others. So take yeah. it away. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for having me. I think that, like you said in, in that brief intro is, is it only the loud folks, right? And that, and this is coming from a loud person. This is coming from an extrovert fully. Oftentimes you can hear me before you see me if I'm in an event, right? So I'm a loud person unapologetically as it relates, but what it is that I speak to can apply to the introverts in your life, the introverts that are out there as well. For me, elevating the voice isn't necessarily about its true literal volume. It's about its impact. It's about, okay, what am I saying that is worthy of attention? What am I saying that deserves to be heard? And am I doing so in an intentional way? And I think that there are a lot of people who are loud that are not worthy of attention. There's a lot of people who are talking that have nothing that we should be listening to. I think that what we want to do is elevate the voices in an intentional way. So what are you looking to say? What are you looking to convey? What is the action you want based on the statement in which you are making? And I think far too often, we're not thinking about that before we speak. We're just kind of spewing out whatever it is that are, is on our heart. And there's nothing to say that you can't and shouldn't have the right to be able to say what is on your heart. But if we are truly looking to make an impact and truly making, looking to make a difference, we need to think about the impactful nature of what it is that we're about to say. And what does that look like? And how can that elevate the conversations that we're having? And I don't think enough of us are looking at the power of our words, the power of what it is that we say, and what we can do simply by just suggesting within a conversation, you know, a viewpoint or a point of view that can change everything, that can change everything just simply by elevating our voice. And again, that doesn't mean just turning up the volume. It means being far more intentional than I think a lot of us have been. Yeah, a wonderful guest that will have his episode will have published by the time this er, this one does is a Christopher Ancona is this amazing guy from the neuroscience and business world. And he had this great concept I'd love to get your comment about. He said we've gone through this period where everyone has been encouraged to let all their emotions just hang out and we should bring all of ourselves to work every day. And he goes, people don't want all of me at work. <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, <laughs> he right. says, no, I got like, we got to respect our work cultures and respect each other there. We got to bring only our best selves there. He says this great thing. He goes, he goes, following your emotions around all the time is like chasing a feather in a tornado. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I truly agree. I truly agree. And I think there's something exhausting about that. There's something exhausting about really having this kind of unleashed space. I mean, I think that there's beauty in, at least in, in my opinion, in discipline. I think that there's a way that we can really come to the table in a disciplined way to be able, again, to be seen and to be heard. You know, we want to make sure, especially in such a busy climate, the world is congested. The world is cluttered. There are so many individuals doing like-minded things, but that doesn't mean that there's not room for you, but that requires discipline in order for you to be seen and heard. And if you're bringing all of that to the table, right, all of the time, not only are you physically exhausted, the person that is receiving all of you all of the time is equally as exhausted. And that means that they're not hearing you clearly. That means that they're not receiving you fully. And that is a disservice to your own personal mission, your own personal voice. And so we must think about, are we in our own way of being seen and heard based on the way in which we are delivering all of ourselves all of the time? Because you can't, you can't fit everything in the cart. You can't buy everything from the store. So let's be able to determine clearly, you know, what we're looking to do and how do we do that in a way that is in fact disciplined? I love it. I, and I love the way I think, are you, you using the word like self-discipline, like restraint yeah. and respect yeah. at the same yeah. time, right? Sure. Yeah. And I'm using it in a way that is respectful of your own time, right? It's not only about respecting the individuals that's hearing you, but respectful of your own mission. The majority of people, especially who have something poignant and intentional to say, it weighs on them right? They want it to be received in the intention in which that they have deliberated it in their mind, that they have constructed it. And if you don't respect it, if you don't respect your own thoughts enough to be able to gather them and then be able to organize them and then be able to deliver them, the likelihood of someone else respecting those thoughts is very, very, very small. So what I want us to do is not seek or not see, you know, the discipline of these things as confining you, but actually freeing you to be seen and heard clearly and with the intention you had in mind when that thought came into your heart or mind. Yeah. Yes. I think we launched right into this podcast interview between two <laughs> two go-getters, let's yes. say. And yeah. this part of the conversation may not resonate with folks who never get heard. Yeah. I was on an airplane one time <laughs> and I was sitting next to this guy, you know how you're all squished together and infecting each other's faces anyway. And, and he never said a word. He had this book on his lap. Yeah. And finally, I just burst all over him like a chocolatey mess. And he was so taken back. And while I was going, where are you from? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. He was kind of half tapping on this book on his lap. And I looked at his lap and it was that book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World that Won't Stop Talking. In a world that won't stop talking. In a world that- there. <laughs> I think that is actually quite funny. He was like, pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to what's going on. But I mean, I think that I guess there's twofold in that. I mean, I'm assuming that that gentleman speaks when he deems worthy for you and for me as an extrovert, again, unapologetically, 
I find communication educational and entertaining and fun. I'm naturally inquisitive. It's part of my makeup. I enjoy communicating. I enjoy learning. I'm a curious person. So that is part of who it is that I am. And anybody who knows me and hopefully enjoys my company understands that. There's appropriate times for me to use my voice at length. And there's sometimes times that I have to be shushed, though I don't appreciate that. But, you know, I get it. I totally understand that there's a library voice that is required from time to time. I'm sure that that individual that you were sitting next to has an appropriate time to be able to communicate in whatever way is comfortable for them. And and in that moment, maybe the airplane is his quiet space. Maybe it's the time that he doesn't have to present or put all up a PowerPoint or make a presentation. It gives him the opportunity to do that. And I think him being clear that this was his quiet time to an extrovert or somebody who wanted to chat with him, I think that's also communicating. That's also elevating your voice. I think so many of us receive when we don't want to, right? Or participate in environments that we don't want to. When in elevating your voice is clearly stating, so nice to meet you, Dr. Linda. So nice to meet you. I'm going to dive into my book. That's not rude. It's literally elevating your voice in a way in which you receive what it is that you want. He wanted peace in that moment. You wanted a person to be able to speak to. And that dialogue gained clarity. That's what elevating your voice is all about. Gaining clarity to get closer to what it is that you want. If you wanted peace, he needed to state it. The tapping could have been a soft indicator, but what have been what really great is, a, thank you so much. So nice to meet you. I'm going to dive into my book. I think the problem would have been solved in that moment and the clarity would have been provided. You know, what he did tell me was that he was <laughs> an engineer yes. in a big firm. There were 80. And I immediately recognized where this conversation should go. That's what, <laughs> you know, what my life as a professional had taught me to follow people's lead. Yeah. And we, so we got to talking about this book because I had seen that on many patients' laps. By the way, we'll make sure that's in the show notes. If you're an introvert or you're the parent or the lover or whatever, if you have a relationship with an introvert, it's a mind blowing book about how we can appreciate the diversity in that way. Right. So anyway, he said, I said, Oh, you're an engineer. He goes, How many times are you in meetings? I said, How many times are you in meetings when you're sitting there with the answer? And all the really loud people that are easy talkers, they're just going on and on and on. And you're sitting there with the answer, but you don't speak up. And he goes with a real serious other accent, most of the time, most of the time. (laughs) And, you know, I I thought tragic to me. That's the most tragic thing ever to me. How many times are the quiet people, the ones sitting there who can move ideas forward, but it's easy to talk about the people who hold everything back because they kind of dominate. But how about the courage that it takes? But that's why we have to work on culture in our work environments, right? You have to work on the culture that's safe for both people. And you have to work on leadership. Yeah. A leader would recognize that brilliance is at the table and saying nothing, right? A leader would recognize that those that are grossly ambitious, but maybe lacking skill set or discipline, even in that regard, are speaking up more so. And I think that that's the accountability of the table, right? That's the elevated voice of the leader to say, let's hear from, let's name him Jacob. Jacob, what are your thoughts? And leaving and creating room for more voices. I think that there's a power in that conversation as well to leave room 
right? If all of us, you know, I was asked years, you know, years ago, especially during pandemic and a number of the different things that have been happening over the course of the last, you know, six years to create spaces and in certain groups and certain certain organizations. And I said, I won't do that if everyone in the room has the same voice. If everyone in the room has the same voice, what are we doing? We're just, again, cheering for the same team, but no one's really playing. And so if we have an opportunity to leave room and create environments where conversations can happen versus just screaming in a stadium, all yelling in the same direction, I think that that's where wonderful things happen. So in a corporation's leadership, is going to be have to recognize where voices need to be elevated and leave room for it. Like structure it so that yes. there are, yeah, so that Require. there's room for the quiet, helpful voices as well, right? Require it because yeah. the loud individuals, those extroverts, will find discipline in that. We'll understand and know our turn. Half of the time, you know, an extroverted person, and for any of you that are extroverted out there, you could probably feel this, we we fill the silence, right? We fill the silence in a room, right? That's our comfortable space, right? So if, does anybody have any questions? I mean, that is my songbird, right? Does anyone have any questions? Yes, I have a question. Yes, I'll jump in, <laughs> right? Yes, it's as if they're calling on me directly because we choose to fill the silence in hopes of creating that comfort in that room. But a leader will call upon individuals. A leader will pull that out and elevate the voices of the unheard because there should be an understanding about everybody in that room was worthy of being there. Everybody in that room is only there because their voices are important. And so to only let the conversation be led by those that just that are just a little bit more boastful does the whole conversation a disservice. Mm, that is so true. Okay. So on that light, your one of the things that you like to talk about a lot is the scream your dream concept. Yeah. But to this place that we're at right now, I move this question up. You got to find your voice in the first place. I love that concept. Like we're all coming back to work. I mean, like, okay, so let's just take this whole thing apart. Yeah. Yeah. Before we do scream your dream, let's start with this great concept you have about how work cultures, like reintroducing ourselves, we have yes. to acknowledge this moment in time. So let's uh, start there and then we'll work yeah. our way to scream your dream. Yeah. Think no. about reintroducing yourself. I think that this is one of the things that we, is a light bulb moment or a light switch moment. You know, those little things you can do that light up a whole room, this kind of small flicker that can change the way in which we see things. I think that so many of us, are being treated as we were, not as we are, right? So people know us in a certain aspect of our life, right? They met us as a coordinator and now we are a director and we have not reintroduced ourselves in this new role. And what happens when you don't, right? What happens when you assume that people see you based on the actions, based on being CC'd on an email or based on you even physically moving your office from one end of the building to another, is that we assume that they now know the new capabilities that you have, the new, you know, skill set that you have, the new armor that you have put on or new game that you are willing to play. We don't. 
And it's so easy to be able to treat people the way in which we knew them. And what I require everyone to do, or what I'm asking everyone to do as a request is to say, how should I reintroduce myself to people who know me? How do I reintroduce myself to my family, to my loved ones, to my coworkers, to my employees? How do I reintroduce this opportunity? And how do I make sure it is plain, you know, who I am now? versus who I was when you met me. And that's not to be boastful or or braggadocious. It's to share the truth of who you are in this moment so you can be treated accordingly and seen justly. I love this. And, you know, I also think it's very, very relevant for these times, even if we haven't changed position in in the cultures that we're in. But like we've all been through so much during the pandemic. I lost four family members. I lost this feeling in my left hand and lost my profession. I I broke my leg, was in a cast for four four months, ankle to grind. There's so many things that are different about me. And if I haven't talked to someone in two years because of the pandemic, I love this reintroducing yourself to people concept because I'm a different person than I was when they knew me. Maybe I'm nicer. Right. Maybe you're nicer. Right. Or maybe you're more stern. Maybe you have more boundaries. Maybe the things that you were willing to condone are no longer the things you are willing to condone. But there is an active role you must play in reintroducing yourself. The assumption. And a lot of us are doing it with family. Right. I think that. Right. I think that there's especially roles that you play as I'm a middle child. So obviously no one's surprised about that, but I'm a middle child. And then there's also younger children and adult children and older children who have taken on the burden, who no longer want to take on that burden anymore. It is not okay to just assume, right? That everyone sees you as your new self. You must reintroduce yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that automatically everybody's going to teach you as you treat you as you are as opposed to as you were, but you know that you have laid the line in the sand. You have said, okay, listen, this is in plain words. This is who I am in this moment. This is who I am moving forward. I want you to hear and see me in this new role. And here I am walking into this space, right? And I think that that's a really important treat for yourself. Again, going back to elevating your voice is a selfish act. It is a wonderful thing to be able to do so. So now you have peace of mind that you have shared the new you with people that know, like, and trust you. And, you know, so many of us have come so far through the pandemic. Gosh, people who had to take care of their aging parents. I went through the death of my mom after the whole pandemic, her going from one institutional living setting to another. Other people had to educate their kids at home, their little seven-year-old that was so bright. And they weren't teachers. I mean, we've all been through so much. So much, so much. And in so many different aspects, you know, we work a lot with the sandwich generation, right? Individuals who have parents that are a little bit older. And then we have our children and our pets or our spouses, all of these things. And so how do you manage all of those things in a very honest way? How do you communicate as an adult with your parents, right? About very sensitive things. How do you communicate with your children about very hard things? I mean, we're all again, living in this world that's ever changing with these topics that are sensitive, How do we communicate and elevate our voices so we're seen and heard? The only way to come at that is exactly as you are in the moment. 
I love this reintroducing yourself. I, I find it. Can you give us a little practical tip on how that works? I find that I, when I get on a zoom with somebody I haven't talked to in years, you know, I yeah. say, Oh, how are you? And I hear, and I, then I really say, no, really, how are you? What have you been through? Right. And I got the time and I, and oh, people always have something to say. And then yeah. they'll turn the tables and say, how about you? And I'll share the broken legs and the four deaths and the whole thing. <laughs> And then we're at a new place. Like I, after they tell me their story, I tell them we're at a new place that it feels, it feels like give and take. And then it feels like one plus one equals four after that. Do you have any tips on how you actually do that with like a brother-in-law or like a coworker space that you haven't? I think it's leadership. I think it's again, that leadership, that making space, you asking someone how you, they are and actually wanting an answer. Right. We have coined, how are you? As if it's a hello and a what's up with no interest in knowing what's up, right? What's up? Right? With no interest in gaining an answer on the other side of it. The discipline in that is to say, no, I asked you, how are you doing? And sitting and wanting the answer because that is a physical piece of discipline to sit and actually want to receive the answer to the question which you have posed to someone, ideally, what happens next is just common manners Then also requires discipline. So now, how are you? It has forced us both to sit with each other and be inquisitive and curious about what this person is up to, to look at them differently, to take a beat, right? To be able to take a breath and say, okay, what are you up to? I didn't know that. I didn't know your mother passed. I didn't know you changed jobs. I didn't know you moved, right? I didn't know any of these things that were happening to you. And I have had the most beautiful interactions with individuals where I did that beat that I stopped and tears would run down the other person's face because so many people had yet to really ask them how they were doing. With intention and pause, I'd reach out to their hand. I'd look them in the eye and said, no, how are you doing? And the visceral reaction, right, in that moment just caused tears to pour down their face. There's one thing that I had said a lot during pandemic that was just because I carry it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy. And the majority of people are walking around with loads and loads on their back. And that brief moment that you give someone builds trust, loyalty, respect. They feel seen, they feel heard, and they will be able to do that. And I think too often we're not checking on our strong friends. Too often we're not checking on those individuals that are like, I'm fine, I'm fine, it's fine, I got it, all things. And so you, what you did as a piece of advice is sit still. Ask somebody how they're doing and be prepared to sit and listen to the answer. And you're right. I got goosebumps while you're talking there a second ago, because there are moments like that, that almost every time I've had the presence of mind, I don't have the presence of mind to do it every time, but each time I do it, what I can reassure people is when you do it, it just makes it easier to do it the next time and the next time and the next time, because you get such an amazing uh, connection with people that way. Oh, it's, and it's beautiful. Because, and you'll be shocked about how many people do not really care how people are doing, right? And so to be 
present in that moment, to be willing to listen and to be able to understand that person better. So when you do, in fact, communicate something that you need or want with that individual that they hear and see you differently, I think is just a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And think about this in the scope of our going back to work. If we were all virtual, we got used to sitting in a chair like this with our pajama bottoms on. (laughs) Nice black turtleneck, actually. I have real And now we're going back to work at whatever pace that looks like. And we literally haven't been in the same room with people. And I think it's super important just reintroducing ourselves in some way that's not obnoxious. So, so that does elevate the voice of others. It's so beautiful. It does. It does. And taking a step, another suggestion is taking a step out of the multifaceted Zooms with 90 million people or 50 people and having a one-on-one, if it is in your pajama bottoms, but giving somebody 15 minutes of your time that you're like, just tell me about you. Have kids. How's work? Saw you're doing renovations on your house. How's that going? You know, how's your landscaping? Like giving that moment and going back to like, what is, what are those little moments that are going to keep you retained or keep those employees retained? It's, it's simply that caring moment, that touch base. They're not asking you to be completely vested in their new porch. They're just asking you to be inquisitive about something that's happening to them that might be weighing on them and giving them again, that leadership, giving them space in order to be seen and heard. I love that. I have to share something that Liesl, my daughter, the co-founder of the Goodness Exchange came up with years ago. We start, we have a Monday morning meeting that's about four hours long every Monday. And we start it with this thing, this high, low, and ha. And we have a team of seven and we go around the Zoom and we have never missed, no matter how urgent, crazy things are. Everybody gets a moment where they tell their high, their low, and their ha from a recent something. So. I know about the funny life of somebody who just comes in and does uploading stuff for us. And yeah. I know in most organizations that would never happen. And he's the coolest guy ever. Sure. He's just so cool. And I would have never known that had we not had that set aside time that we honor religiously. I love that creating space for this kind of relationship building. You know, I just got off the a call with a fellow that is also in the podcast lineup from a few weeks back called Genla. He's a former Buddhist monk who adopted 123 children. Yeah. And uh-huh. one of the things he likes to talk about children, I don't know but that you and he wouldn't have some common <laughs> intersection at some point on making an introduction. He says, connection is not the same as relationships. Like you can be connected to someone because you're in the same work team or because you're in the same church or because you're in the same bloodline, whatever you can be connected. But you have to work at relationships. You have to make the space. He's, he doesn't use those words, but I love the, your words. You yeah. Make the space to create them. hundred percent. And I think that in this world where the world wide web has convinced us that these are all relationships, but they're simply to his point, just connections that we have. Right. And so, and those connections are invitations to relationships. They are. They're the way we begin relationships, but they're not relationships. And I think that utilizing, really utilizing all of the tools that are available to us and, you know, to be able to form more connections in the hopes of building meaningful relationships. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we can't be right here and not talk about your concepts about the world thinks we all think that the internet is us. 
Absolutely. The internet is just a tool. So we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to introduce folks to some really wonderful ways to get instant access to a whole lot of good that's happening in the world, like these conversations. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how we reimagine the role of the internet in our lives. Hi, Dr. Linda here. Many of you know that the mothership website of this podcast is called the Goodness Exchange. And there you can find articles, a video library, podcasts, and content collections that point to what's right with the world. You can visit every day and you'll find the antidote to all the negative noise out there in the world. Okay, that solves the problem in our personal lives. We can choose what to give our attention to every morning and end our day with something positive. But what about our work environments? We need to feel supported and come alive in those cultures. But that's becoming harder and harder when most of us go to virtual work. And many of us who are working with others still never have shared positive experiences with our colleagues. By definition, culture comes from shared experience. So employees find it harder and harder every day to create an environment that attracts and retains other great people. Well, enter the Goodness Exchange and our extraordinary content, which celebrates an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows enough about yet. My team and I at the Goodness Exchange are making certain that employees of optimistic, values-driven companies have instant access to the positive news out there today. Because science is telling us that it's time to start celebrating what's right with the world. And here's the thing. There are so many positive stories out there about astounding solutions to some of our world's biggest problems, about wonders and leaps in human potential. But most are going completely uncelebrated. Your culture can change that and can be changed by a new focus on goodness and progress. In fact, with all that negative noise out there, your work culture can be infused by a sense of flourishing. People can be sharing ideas and swapping stories of wonderful, ingenious solutions around the water cooler again. With instant access to good news, employees can stay on their feet and take turns being the one who makes opportunity at setback. People who use the Goodness Exchange every day have a spring in their step. They radiate joy and confidence and creativity because they know a far more complete picture of what's going on in the world. If you'd like to chat about infusing the culture where you work with a tone of celebration of goodness and innovation and progress, let's hop on a Zoom. You can introduce us to your HR director or your chief of culture. You know, if used consistently, our content can give companies a way to turn something aspirational like positivity into a concrete way of being. Thanks. Talk to us at the Goodness Exchange about change and flourishing where you work. Okay, we're back with Cheldon Barlett Rumor. Cheldon is just an effervescent beacon. I think you're just a beacon person. One of those people is just there reminding us of our better selves and what's possible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for... I. We have an interview with Cheldon. I should tell people right now that you can find a lot of Cheldon's work on the Goodness Exchange, and we're going to be teeing up a video library of some of that soon. But Cheldon, also, your your chat with us on that group meeting that we had, oh my gosh, I can't tell you, all my staff was at that and they spoke about it for weeks. So I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to put 
Yeah, Chilton Much worked fun. with our group in kind of a, what would you call that? It was sort of a, it was a collaborative a collaborative Zoom get-together that we had for anybody involved in the Goodness Exchange that just wanted to hear a speaker prattle on in an informal way. <laughs> but boy, Chelton, you just really lit up. So I'll put that. And then we've interviewed Chelton before for the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. So we'll put that in the show notes too. Okay. So tell, share with us this idea that some of us operate as if the internet is us and all the yeah. things that we see there are real and not looking at it just like a tool. It should just be a tool in our life, right? It's a, it's just a tool. And it goes back to my, my concentration or interest in us having a little bit more discipline in how we communicate what it is we communicate and how we utilize these tools. I, I think that if you are a baker and you own a bakery, you try to find the best oven in order to make your cupcakes, right? It's the perfect oven. It's the perfect size for your space. It's the perfect tool for what it is that you need. And I think social media spaces and the world wide web are simply just tools that you use in order to be able to communicate what it is that you want and make sure that those tools are appropriate for you. Not all tools, not all ovens are ideal for that baker. And so not all tools that are available on the internet are ideal for you. And so to think that we are a prisoner of all of these tools and we are all of these things, it's just an exhausting going back to trying to be everything to everyone and sharing every emotion all of the time. It really does take away from the discipline and the true intention of what it is that you're trying to say. One of the things that a lot of, I'm also an adjunct professor, and a lot of my students will come to me and even grown people will say, I want to be a TikToker. I want to be an Instagram influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. And for me, I always meet them and they, they I crunch my face and they're like, what? What's wrong? I think that I can do that. And it's not that I don't think that they're capable of being successful on these platforms or utilizing these tools. I just don't think that there is such a thing as a TikToker, a YouTuber, an Instagram influencer. I think that there's a chef that uses TikTok. I think that there's a comedian that uses Instagram. I believe it's a makeup artist that uses YouTube. These are tools that we use in order to convey our talents, our industries, and our expertise. These are not who it is we are. We don't own these tools. As much as all of us want to pretend that Mark Zuckerberg is our friend, he, we, I'm not in the meeting. So I can't say that my expertise belongs to a tool in which I do not own. It's kind of like saying, oh, I'm an emailer. What? I have so many people who follow me on email. It's bizarre. You're not an emailer. Email is a tool that you use in order to send a message. And so TikTok and all of these platforms are just simply tools. And so when we determine our messaging or what we want to say, we try to find the best tool to help us do that. And that's what I want people to think about. Well, who are you as a person? What industry are you in? What do you want to communicate? And then determine what tool best serves you. And so I hope I answered that question. Yeah, but I think that what you're saying is really true. Like it gets to something like about the reason why I scratch my head about, yeah. about social media and spending so much time on it. Yeah. Because if you want to live with some meaning and purpose, yeah. you can't spend a lot of time on the places where, right. where there is no meaning and purpose. I mean, it, it, there's nothing to kind there's nothing, there is nothing to whisper about, right? Because here's the deal. The individuals that are the most successful on these platforms are grounded in industry. They are. They're grounded in industry, and that provides the stability in which they need. They're cooking all the time on TikTok. 
I can rely on them cooking. I can rely on their recipes. It's grounded in industry, talent, and expertise. The individuals that have a really hard time that are finding themselves in emotional situations, finding themselves losing opportunities, are not grounded in industry. And so the discipline that it takes to be grounded in industry, the discipline that it takes to be a deliverer of news, the discipline that it takes in order to be a dancer, in order to be a makeup artist. We're cheating ourselves of that discipline by trying to take over and fold ourselves into platforms in which we do not own. But if you focus on the discipline, it doesn't matter the platform, right? Because if, for instance, I grew up in times that gladly age myself in the MySpaces and the Vines, all platforms that no longer exist, but I am still here and I just need to find a new tool to use to be able to convey my talent. And so I just want young people or people in general to say, okay, what is it that I'm looking to communicate? What is it that I'm going to say in my elevated voice? And where does that voice need to live? What tool best serves me and where it is that I want to go? And I like this, this flipping the purpose. I love to get on the internet and see my yeah. sister's new puppy. Yes, or of course. That my, yeah, my patient's son just got a degree from MIT or whatever. I mean, my purpose of going there is to learn about other people's lives. And then once I'm done, I'm gone. I don't get involved in political arguments. I don't chime in on some crazy thing that someone said. I just go there <laughs> and I have a purpose and then I'm gone and I live my real life. And you're gone because there's a sense of discipline within your action. The World Wide Web is outside. That's how I see it. It's outside, right? As if you would go out, would you do whatever it is you're doing online outside? Would you be half naked in the mall? No, right? right? Would you just go screaming and cursing down your street? You wouldn't. And so we need to receive the internet as if it is being outside. Because it is, in fact, outside. Your neighbors can see you and question your stability. The people can take you away because you have no clothes on in an inappropriate location. And it's not to stifle you, but to free you in spaces. Now, keep in mind, there are places where you can be as nudist colonies. You can be as nude as you want. So find your space online for that respective community to see and hear you in an appropriate way. But when you're on Main Street in the middle of the world, don't be surprised if you are judged as if you are outside. It's that simple. That is one of those things I'm not going to be able to unsee. I talk to people all the time, the folks who leave me with one thing (laughs) that I can't unsee afterwards. And I think that is the way I'm going to start looking at my online presence when I'm just Dr. Linda checking out my sister's new puppy or whatever. I, I see the same things everyone else does that I just want to chime in on and put my two cents in. But no, <laughs> if I'd pass somebody on the street who was going off, I wouldn't engage them. I would just pass on as fast as I could. You wouldn't engage. You wouldn't engage. And there are things that you would see that you might engage. Like so-and-so yeah. needs you help know. across the street oh. or something. Right. Using your manners. Right. right? Using your manners. Being disciplined. Somebody says, happy birthday. You say, thank you. Right? Somebody right, has something valuable to give, has lost something. You say, has anybody seen this cat? Like, these are kind things. We have lost our way in the urge to share every thought as if the, we are, as if we are 
undisciplined and unkind. And there's no, as if there's no ramifications or as if there is no consequence. And if you yeah. were to do the same thing outside, would there be? And the answer is yes, there would be big consequences. And so I think we just need to take note of that as it relates to what we and how we would like to utilize our voice. And I think our voices are such amazing and beautiful tools that can share love and empowerment and diversity and inclusion and all of the wonderful things if we choose to use it, if we choose to elevate it. All right. So this is this is very huge. So we're getting to scream your dream. Okay, I want to ask you one more thing in this same light because I think it's right in there. Some thought leader shared with me once uh, a little three sentence thing that I ask myself when I'm in a conversation. Let's say tomorrow at the Thanksgiving dinner table with an uncle. I, I this is not happening. I don't even live near my uncles. I'm not even sure I have any. But do, does this need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Yeah. And does it need to be said by me right now? Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah. I constantly yeah. check myself. We were out to dinner with friends last night. I did it three times. Oh. We hadn't seen them in a long time. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we had two hours to have dinner and there was a lot to be catching up on for the reasons that you just talked about. Sure. And I'm like, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And, um, does it need to be said right now? Yeah. It really, really helps you make sure your voice is more yeah. powerful because it's it's more directed. It is more direct. It is more direct. And I'm not lazy. I'm not a lazy person. I'm not a person that that isn't conscious of what it is that my voice has the ability to do. I do not take the power of my words lightly. And so am I being impactful? Is this going to be useful? Am I the person that should be saying that? Am I going to be useful, right? Again, this doesn't mean you don't feel it. I am not naive to believe that people are going to stop feeling things and stop wanting things and stop saying things and come to the table with their prejudices or preconceived notions. I'm not saying that all of that's going to go away because you're a disciplined human being. But the idea of not respecting the people that surround you and not respecting the value and the power that you possess simply by speaking something into existence. I'm a powerful person. And that's not to be vain. That's to say we are all powerful because what we say affects people so deeply. You can talk to grown adults who will remember something an uncle said to them when they were eight. Yes. That in which that uncle could not remember that date and time, could not even remember that conversation, but has been held in a 48-year-old's mind for that amount of time. That's the power of words. That's the power of what it is that you say and the, how that affects your children, adults, relationships, coworkers, right? What you say affects how you communicate with your employer, your boss, your team, right? Your intern. Right. These are the stories that they tell about their very first job and what that looks like and what that feels like. That isn't to make you paranoid, but that hopefully is to make you feel empowered. Right. That we are moving mountains one word at a time. And that I believe is an honor. That's an honor to be part of that conversation. So it's not for you to take that step back for you to stifle yourself, but to take that step back for you to acknowledge the power that you're about to bring to the table when you create or continue a conversation. That is so, so true. Okay, so we're getting to this scream your dream thing. So when people are, let's say, finding their voice, first of all, 
Define what finding your voice means. Yeah, yeah. So in in air of, of both of those key phrases, at this point, you know that I speak in hashtags. So it's kind of along the same line. So the Scream Your Dream movement was really created based on, again, the fact that I'm an extrovert, the fact that not only found my voice quite early, but I utilized it as a tool within my life and wanted to be able to encourage other people to do the same, right? To identify where and how to use your voice in order to get closer to what it is that you want. What I found was, especially with young individuals, what was missing was how to navigate that, right? What words am I supposed to say? What do I want to say? And very seldom do we get the opportunity to kind of sit with ourselves about ourselves, right? Very seldom do we get the opportunity to be like, who the heck am I? What do I want? And why do I deserve it? And so screaming your dream is identifying those things, but Finding your voice is building the courage and the habit of regularly participating in that conversation with yourself, right? Regularly participating in that conversation with yourself. I am proudly 45 years old. 25-year-old Sheldon was finding her voice. 25-year-old Sheldon wasn't even giving herself permission to make the mistakes necessary for the voice that I have today. And so what we need to do is we need to give ourselves permission to sit with ourselves and ask ourselves the tough questions. Am I doing even what I want to be doing? No wonder I can't say it clearly because I don't believe it. No wonder I can't scream it from the rooftops because it's in essence a self lie that I'm telling myself, you know, and we used to, we tend to stand in ourselves and stand in our truth when it is a true belief right? It it encompasses all of us. And so we can't deny it just like we can't deny what's your phone number. That's a fact. But when we're asked these questions about ourselves, we say them as if we don't believe them. We say them as if only you could change my mind. And so the act of finding your voice is really understanding who you are, what you want, and why you deserve it in this moment, owning it in this moment. So you can, in fact, scream your dream. And, you know, I think that's just as important to the folks. My son just is getting his very first job out of college. (laughs) And I'm imagining him showing up at this big, wonderful corporation that he's so excited about joining. But, you know, I'm not really sure he'll feel like he has a voice. Wow. And I don't know how this job is part of a stepping stones to what his future is. But I think I hear what you're saying is that probably life is too short for people to just go along and either fib to themselves or just take whatever comes and not really have a vision of what's possible for themselves. Yeah. And then here's the other thing, guys, like it doesn't mean you don't have a voice if you're not in the boardroom, right? Like finding your voice in your space in this time in your life may just be a conversation with your roommate. Mm re-engaging with an old friend, right? ordering a cup of coffee by yourself, making your own doctor's appointments, right? Like it doesn't always mean you're knocking on the door of the CEO in order for you to find your voice. It could simply mean the practice of sharing your opinion on what movie your friends are going to see, where you would otherwise be like, oh, I'll see whatever you want. Or when people are asking, what do you want to eat? And you really want to go out for Italian and being like, whatever you want to eat, right? Knowing that you really want to go out for Italian. That's also finding your voice. So when the opportunity does come for you to speak to your CEO, you are well-prepared. You are well-practiced. And so I think we expect individuals to go from no voice to the CEO boardroom seamlessly, right? 
And that's the practice. Absolutely not. The practice is the small scenarios. The practice is is talking to your pharmacist. The practice is saying, oh, my knee hurts and not just limping with the pain. The practice is really about identifying how to use your voice in these smaller moments. So when these larger moments come, you're prepared for those interactions and to elevate your voice accordingly. And I wish we had more time to talk about it, but I think it's more relevant than ever in these for a generation of people or a subset of people who've been nothing but virtual, haven't had water cooler talk, haven't walked down the seven flights of stairs to get some exercise with someone. Would they even know what to say to make conversation? I mean, like we have a whole generation of folks who entered the job market in such a strange way. So I really, yeah. I think what we're talking about here is going to need a conversation number two, Sheldon. Ch- um, I think so too, and I would love that. <laughs> I want to wrap up here for this conversation with what you really wish people knew. Mm. You know, your genre is communication yeah. and helping yeah. people find their best, yeah. best selves and their best voices. Tell me what you really wish people knew. Yeah. I think that I would really love for people to know, because we often say, oh, you know, words are a weapon. I think they're a wand. I think that it's magic. I think it's magic stringing words together that move people, that get people to to move in the direction. I think that we so demonize the idea of utilizing our voices as opposed to empower individuals to do so. Not enough of us who are looking to share love and kindness and equality and diversity and inclusion use words the way that are impactful and intentional and strategic. And I think people don't know the magic that words can provide and to be scared of them and to be scared to use your voice. It's only dependent on what it is you're saying and who you're saying it to. So look for the magic within the words that you use and use them often. And probably support others who you see appreciate the power of their words too. their measured, thoughtful voices. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for this, this lovely conversation, Sheldon. I really hope that the things that we talked about today, you can take out into your life. Yeah. Join us next week. I'll make sure that all the great other connections that Sheldon and I talked about are in the show notes at the Goodness Exchange. The Goodness Exchange is, is a place in this world with no ads and no politics where you can have instant access to all the good that's happening in the world, the newsworthy things that are going uncelebrated. And we all need that to end up with lives that are so rich and buoyant and impactful and exciting, just like Sheldon pointed to today. Lastly, tell us where everybody can reach you, where people connect with your work. Please, please. Oh, for more information on all that we've got going on, head to our corporate site at thisisittv.com. You can watch all of our latest episodes and take some fun courses as thisisit.tv. And you can follow Fan and like us on all of our social media platforms at thisisittv. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to put all those links in the show notes as well. I did a nice introduction to the start so people know what that whole world is for you. And we're going to talk again. Have a great day, Sheldon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.